Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to Roll the Hard 20 podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, and we're doing it again. What are we doing? Another one of our Delta Green scenarios. Only this time, we're doing a couple things different. First of all, we're running a homebrew, Deep Waters. I thought a lot about this, this whole scenario, and it just really started evolving just the other day. In fact, I started contacting some of the other hard slingers, and I was saying to myself, you know, we're not, I don't think we're going to be able to record our regular D&D session this week because we got one of our hard slingers is on vacation, and it seems like lately we've had a lot of people out on vacation or we've had to change some days or whatnot. Uh, so I dropped some of the other guys a line and said, hey, you guys want to run something else? That way we're not missing anything. And they took up the mantle. So I got Dave and I've got Junior. And what we're doing is we're going to be playing an episode of Delta Green. Now, it may be a little bit before you see this. Of course, I probably shouldn't even say that because this weekend it's going to be wrapping up. But I really wanted to make sure that we finished this AP before we, we released anything because I always want to have it in the can. I know that sounds weird. I shouldn't have said that. But anyways, I always wanted to have the, the scenario finished. And we'll be wrapping it up this weekend. And I can't wait to get it out to you guys. I can't wait. I love this stuff. So just want to let you know, I'm a big fan of the old X-Files seasons one and two back when the show was really dynamite. I really love True Detective season one. And I liked season two also. Um, didn't really care much for season three. But season one. Ugh, love that stuff. You know, the, all this... The stuff that when I think about Delta Green, these other memories of other shows or movies or or books that I've read, that it just evokes this this desperation, like in the movie The Thing. You know, when they were out there in the snow and and they're trying to figure out who's the thing. I mean, <laughs> what a name of what are we gonna name this movie? I don't know. What about that thing? Yeah, that thing. That's what we're gonna name it. Anyways. Totally getting off track, getting off topic, but I just wanna say that these there's a lot of movies and shows. Uh, a lot of books out there that that really drive the desperation of, of the protagonists, and that's really what I tried to hit with this uh, with this scenario. So I hope everybody feels that that driving force when they listen to it. Uh, but I'm not going to waste any more of your time. No, not at all. In fact, what I want you to do is make sure you subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to the show on. Give us that five star rating and review. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Roll Hard 20. Hit that little uh, notification bell so you never miss when we drop something for you. And finally, as always, warm up your dice and top off your glass. Hell yeah, man. We've got to keep ourselves warm while we venture into deep waters. Episode 1. Enjoy, everybody. Some of the years and years of being raised by a sailor and working in meat shops, man. <laughs> in meat How'd you shop. like working in a meat shop, huh? You it was good. I was the taste out of his mouth. Hey, people would come from all over the neighborhood to give me money to get my meat. That's all That's I'm right. going to say. You, you know can beat my meat, but you can't beat my prices. Well, whatever. <laughs> Bring the bell for meat service. Did you guys get the thing I sent you? Uh, yes. yes, haven't opened it. You can open it up now and, and take a moment as we get prepared for all the uh, 
the paperwork aspect. By the way, I, I started writing this thing yesterday. Wait so, till the last minute, I see. No, it was, I forget how it, how it came about. I, I think, David, weren't you and I kind of like bantering back and forth if we were going to do something or whatever? And I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. you want to do a, a Delta Green? And he was like, yeah. I said, okay, well, let me, let me get with Junior and, and see if he's down for it. And I just started spinning ideas in my mind about what I wanted to do. And it eventually, um, it landed on this idea. Through the whole thing? What's up? We could look through the whole thing? Yeah, everything I gave you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Ooh. Oh, we're going back to the, the boat references again. Stern, bow, starboard. <laughs> were we on a boat before? Um, no. Oh, we weren't? Uh, no, in uh, Riders on rowing. the Storm. Yeah. Remember Riders I was going to say, Storm. I don't know, but I feel like we, you and I have had a very weird boat <laughs> conversation at one point in life. This is a big ass boat, man. This ain't uh, the Jenny from Forrest Gump. No, I'm being stern not. with you. That's that's <laughs> most of our I'm nautical lingo. <laughs> Starboard is not waterboard. Get that right. Waterboard. So are we that's how we ready? baptize Americans. Yeah, what? right. So we're going to see. Uh, we'll probably go for a full session tonight, and then we'll see if we need to cut it, uh, depending on where we are, and we'll go from there. So are all you guys ready to play some yes, Delta Green? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Get it. All right. Let me leave this in. Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to World of Hard 20 podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, welcoming you to another episode of our Delta Green scenarios and with me, the hard slingers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, usually uh, whenever we run a Delta Green scenario, we we make it a smaller complement of players to make it a more intimate session. It's not that it can't be done with with three or four people we've done it with with three people uh playing on the opposite side of the screen and and it's been fun and everything i just think that when when you're dealing with two players like when we have sam and tony on the other side that uh it heightens the the intensity because there's fewer people you can really rely on it really brings about the the destitute of the of the scenario you know what i mean Hell yeah. I was actually, yeah, I was actually listening to some of Sam and Tony's stuff and I was like, maybe if we do well, we'll get to team up with them. Well, that's the thing. Uh, and there's a reason why they're not part of this scenario. And that's because uh, their characters are currently occupied with something else. And for those of you that haven't listened to our sweetness run through, listen to it, listen to all four episodes. Is it four or five? Five episodes. I think it's five. Yeah, it's five, five but you hinted at six, I think uh yeah we're uh but the sixth episode is actually going to lead into the next uh scenario which is going to be called gaslight and that involves their two players and what goes on after sweetness yeah. but as for this scenario this scenario is called deep waters deep. so deep waters getting deep in so uh before i introduce your characters let me do a little lead in here the date is late February. Time is 0800. That's eight o'clock in the morning for you people out there. Location, Los Angeles International Airport. Place, a meeting room adjacent to one of the many food courts. As the both of you sit in this low-lit room, having been invited earlier in the day, you're the only two occupants within here. You look at one another, you look at the blank wall of a big eraser board 
Nothing's written, written on it. And you sit there and stare at each other. Staring at the wall, occasionally looking back at the door. Agent Caldwell. Describe for the listeners what this man sitting right next to you sees. Well, today being a February, still a little chilly out, so I'm wearing one of my velvet cowboy hats in a nice ordain suit and some very nice skin leather boots. Looking dapper. Now, Romeo Ramirez, you may or may not have been called to one of these meetings. Agent Caldwell doesn't know anything about that. In fact, he knows nothing about you, nor your profession, nor what brought you to the agency to have them call you. But why don't you describe for our listeners what Agent Caldwell is seeing sitting next to him? I think in stark contrast, he sees a balding man, mid-30s, maybe heading towards 40, full beard, glasses, uh, wife beater that is stained. It's got like coffee, uh, Cheerio stains, you name it, uh, Hawaiian shirt. And then underneath like board shorts. And um, he's probably eating somehow. He got food in here past the security. Um, slop, that, that's that's the best I can describe him. And the two of you sit there and you, you gauge one another for a few minutes. Try not to stare directly, but overly, overtly looking at one another occasionally. And after a few minutes, when it seems like the suspense is just going to eat the both of you up alive, the door behind you opens and you see a stout man, probably in his late fifties with white hair that's shaved close to the scalp, come walking in. You see, he's got these large muscular arms that really stretch the sleeves of his button-up short sleeve shirt. He's wearing navy blue slacks with loafers and he comes in, goes straight to the head of the room, turns around and places his hands on the table and he begins, you've heard it said that blood is thicker than water until the water becomes over diluted with blood. Then they're the same. Agent Caldwell, it's good to see you again. It's nice As for you, here. Romeo, Romeo, forgive me for mispronouncing your name. You can call me Heisenberg. Pleasure. Let's hope it stays that way. Gentlemen, we're against the clock, so this mission read-in will be brief. As of 0400 this morning, the, shimp the shrimping freighter the Aqua Fortune out of Alaska was dredging the floor when its gear snagged something to which they brought to the surface a short while later. A mayday ensued from the Aqua Fortune that was sent to the, sent to the Coast Guard. The mayday itself was frantic and vague, but from what we were able to piece together, it's being reported that the freighter brought up what is best reported as a large disc-like object, approximately 30 feet in diameter. This event resulted in the injury of several members of their seven-man crew, and that itself is what initiated the Mayday. Now, the report came to the agency by way of one of our friendlies in the CG who intercepted the Mayday, and as for now, that's as far as it's gone. She's given us a 24-hour window from the time the Mayday's interception 
to when her hand will be forced to pass the incident up the chain to her superiors. After that, all bets are off. The clock started four hours ago. So here's the deal. You'll be getting into Anchorage just short of 1600 hours. That's 4 p.m. for you who don't abla. A chopper will meet you on the tarmac to get you out to the Aqua Fortune, which is being held in a quarantine 15 miles off the coast of Anchorage in the Gulf of Alaska. That should put your ETA close to 1800. The chopper's gonna leave you there, return to refuel, and extract you in eight hours. That puts its return time at 0200. After that, get your asses on the chopper with mission accomplished on your lips. As for your orders, they stand as such. You are to ensure that the Aqua Fortune is not to make landfall until the threat, whatever it is, has been handled. You'll need to get on-site information as to what kind of threat they brought to the surface, make the determination if the crew has been compromised, and what steps to take to either provide a good cover story to satisfy their curiosity or silence them. Keep in mind that scuttling the ship may be a viable solution. I have a very limited dossier on this freighter and her crew, so study what you have before we get there. You get there. I'm not going with you. After that, he just nods, looks at both of you, and just turns and walks right out of the room. As you both look at the table that he had his hands on, you notice there are two airline tickets sitting right in front of him where he was standing. I think when he said silence, my guy would have, Romeo would have looked directly at your agent and uh, kind of nodded. Um, and he's going to get up and snatch the um, airline ticket. Well, it appears we might be taking a long flight together. What's your name? Uh, they call me Romeo Ramirez. Where are you from? Ramirez. From uh, Wyoming, Pinedale. Uh, Midwest, huh? Yes, sir. And um, is he white guy, Spanish guy? White guy. White guy. Um, it's a stereotypical, like, cowboy. That's why I was saying, like, he had his velvet hat, mm -hmm. cowboy hat on. It's still cold weather, so, you know. I picture, like, ex, nice, ex quarterback. Nice. High school quarterback. Style. Yeah. James was a very athletic uh, person. Jeans so tight, you could see his full bell head. <laughs> That's right. They, they call that the size the camel of the dinner tail. Plate. <laughs> camel yeah, tail. Yeah, nice bell buckle. <laughs> <laughs> nice bell buckle. Traditional, you know, cowboy. Um, I'm going to look around the room. Is there anything else or just the tickets? There's just the tickets. There's nothing else in the room. There were just a few seats, two of which you both occupied. One of those uh, faux wood tables that most likely people would sit behind as their uh, superiors would give read them in on things, you know, whether they're drawing something on the erase board or whatnot. Uh, but other than that, there's nothing else in the room. I don't know about you, but I'm going to need something else. Maybe we talk on the way to the gift shop. All right. What time's our flight say we got to leave? What does it say? Sorry, looking, just... looking down at the 
at the tickets, you see that it's a Delta Flight 426 to, uh, and it looks like it's going to be a five hour and 49 minute trip and it's due to start boarding in about 15 minutes from right now Shit. not a lot of time to to dilly dally or hit any of the uh souvenir shops or whatnot not even to get a burrito Damn. Huh. i was hoping hoping sitting, to get a coat sitting uh, in this food court's making me hungry <laughs> No, you guys are in a room off the food court. That'd be kind of odd if old high was directing you in front of all these kids and people. Okay, so here's the deal. You're going to scuttle the ship and kill the passengers. Are these uh, coach tickets? First yes, class? They are. No, they're not first class. No. No drink tickets. Are you kidding me? Welcome, to, the... welcome to the organization. They know how to treat us, don't they? They always do. Okay. Um so, well, obviously we got to make our flight. So, head sure, over to the start. the airport. Okay. Yeah, you see. Well, the uh, the food court you're adjacent to this meeting room is part of the the Delta terminal, and so it won't take you long to get to board. But you need to get on board. All right. Um, well, Romeo, hope you didn't bring any packages with you bring your carry-on any luggage yeah. picks up a backpack and slings it over his shoulder just a couple things i think might come in handy all right and I like, like your style and he's in inspecting your um do you have a gun or anything can i see underneath your you know i mean if you underneath your jacket if you look closely underneath my jacket i might have my uh u.s marshal badge marshals that would be all he would probably have because he would have had to get through the uh, metal detector. Would you have been able to take your weapon with you? Uh, How would you have been able to do that? Don't know if I would be able to. I mean, I mean I'm technically a federal agent as a U.S. Marshal. You're going to have to get that thing cleared before we get on there. Well, he would have had to get it cleared before he even got this far. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little... Uh, retro role play on this agent as you make your way up to the kiosk for Delta you see that one of the agents is there and says uh, can I help you check your, your luggage sir at that point I'll uh, hand in my bag and show him my badge just uh, you know Traveling through. His eyebrows raise, and he says, uh, Am I to assume that you are armed, agent? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, um, I'm going to need you to speak with my superior, because uh, I don't think we're going to be able to get that weapon on board, sir, uh, unless we contain it in some way. I'm sorry, but regulations are regulations, and not that I disqualify you or or think anything about you being who you are, but I can't make that call, sir. Mm, and absolutely. as he's talking to you, you already see that a couple of the uh, the the police are making their way towards you. Obviously, he's got some kind of an ear piece in his ear, and they're listening to whatever he's saying. And you see two of the officers come up and say, uh, sir, would you mind coming with us, please? Mm, they, no, I don't mind. They take you to one of the back rooms, and they say... Uh, are you here on an official capacity, Marshal? 
Capacity in a different location, yes, but unfortunately, I do have to travel with my my weapon. I'm afraid we're not going to allow that. We're not going to be able to allow that on a commercial flight, Marshall. You should know these things. Can't just put it in a uh, lockable safe down in down in the cargo area. I don't think it has much to do with with whether or not we could put that in a uh, in a safe sir um but i think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to uh at least confiscate it i don't know if that's going to make its way to the other end of your destination though at that point the phone rings his official phone rings in his pocket and he answers it and he's yes i am mm-hmm now, right now, I would like for you to roll your D20 and tell me what you hard 20. Come on, hard as 20. Come as on. he's going over this conversation this? with this individual. It's 2008, we're going to say. Oh, got a 17 on the die. 17. And he says, understood, sir. Very well. Okay. Thank you. He hangs up the phone, and you can see his face is kind of flush and he looks at you and says, uh, I'm sorry to have detained you, Marshal. Uh, please enjoy your flight. And he walks away. And that is how you got as far as you did with your weapon. All right. Good thing I didn't have to hide it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that was some uh, <laughs> blades in the dark kind of flashback <laughs> stuff. I like it. So bringing it back up to speed where we are currently, you are now prepping to board this flight, as I said, it's flight 426. You'll be settling in for damn near a six-hour flight. That dog back there. <laughs> Holy cow. You have to murder that dog. And then, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Coors. Damn, Banquet, Cobra right? Kai over here. Yeah, Like a know, Johnny boy. Represent. <laughs> Johnny would appreciate it. He would have made that off for me. Um, sweep the leg yeah really well it's it's too hard to to honcho something like this drinking uh old fashions i would probably have a problem with that <laughs> so in your flight during your flight is there anything you guys want to want to go over or do anything i imagine you guys are probably going over the dossiers that you've been handed yeah um also what is the capacity of this uh plane like is it pretty full is it are there a lot of people or is it pretty an empty ironically empty flight being a large flight and being at eight o'clock in the morning when it took off you would expect it to be a a plane filled to capacity but because of its destination being alaska uh it's actually really thinly populated you see a lot of rows that are empty a lot of seats where Maybe one person is occupying one row. The seats on either side of that individual are open. Uh, it's probably got about maybe 45 people on board, including the flight attendants and probably the, the cabin crew as well. So. Um, I think, you know, if we're sitting together, Romeo would probably make some polite conversation, but then probably get involved in the uh, uh, in-flight movie. And he'd be the type of person that would be laughing way too loud. 
and like spraying popcorn all over the kid in front of him. Like De Niro in uh, Cape Fear. Yeah, just like <laughs> slamming on the thing, just completely obnoxious. Um, before the end, though, can he duck into the bathroom and come out wearing like more appropriate clothing for the weather? I would imagine he would probably want to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And still, it he looks like a reporter. You know, he's got like a badge around his neck, like a sweater, maybe even a trench coat. But it's still, it just looks old, like he slept in it. Well, the uh, the damn near six-hour flight doesn't feel like six hours. Uh, you guys eventually touch down. And as the plane begins to taxi towards the terminal, you can see out of your window what appears to be a Marine in full attire approaching the plane and the plane just stops. doesn't go all the way to the terminal. You see a few of the uh, flight crew outside begin to roll up one of those large uh, rolling staircases and buttress it against the fuselage. A few minutes later, you hear a rap on the door and you see one of the flight attendants go and, and open up the door and people start to disembark the plane without going up to the terminal. Sure is odd. That's very um, not normal. And from my experience, they'd normally take us all the way up to the terminal. Well, I assumed we'd be getting off and probably getting on something else, like a helicopter to bring us to the, the ship, don't you think? Well, for, for us, but why would the rest of the people be getting off here? It might have just been snowed in somewhere. Well, as you guys make your way down the mm -hmm. stairs, you see that the Marine is watching for both of you as you come down, and he addresses both of you at the same time. Sir, if you'll please follow me. And he begins to escort you without even checking to see if you're following him. It's just his assumption and he begins to escort you towards a chopper around one of the uh, one of the hangars itself. You see that the rotors are already spinning low RPM. And he holds one of the, the back door for both of you to get in. And he says, please make sure you put your headsets on. Romeo's like, ha ha, I knew it was a fucking chopper. <laughs> you guys get aboard, he closes the door. And as you guys are still buckling in and putting your headsets on, it's already starting to take off. Get air. And it starts heading towards the west. After about maybe 30 minutes or so, you see that the chopper itself begins to make its way over the open sea. And then you start to feel the, the turbulence and the wind begin to buffet the sides of the chopper itself. And it kind of comes down a little bit. And off... In the distance, in the west, you can still see the half orb of the sun as it continues to dip down below the horizon. And framed by this waning ball of fire, you see a lone freighter just bobbing in the water. As the chopper begins to close the distance, it's difficult for you to tell just how big this thing is. But I'd like for both of you to make a search check at this moment as you get closer to it. All right. 40 under 50. 40 under 50? 
Coldwell? 40. Yeah, 40 under 50. So both of you notice that there's something large that appears to be on the rear trawl deck. And as you get closer, it appears to be under some kind of a tarp. Mm. And then as you are watching out the window, you hear through your headsets, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be able to land on this freighter. They appear to have something on the rear deck. I'm going to have to lower each of you down via harness. So what you're going to need to do is strap yourselves in to that winch over there. And I'll try to bring us in over the center of the freighter. Brings a chopper in. Brings it to a hover. Side door opens up. Coldwell, you're the first one to fast rope down. I'm going to need you to make an athletics check as you start making your way down this rope. How does he look as he does it? Is he like, have you done this before? We're going to, yeah. find, out. We're going to find out how you <laughs> All right, athletics, percentile, that's 44. Uh, let's see, where's my athletics alertness? 44 under 60. Under 60? You see him skate down this rope, both of his feet touch, kind of springs himself, and he immediately starts getting the the feel of the ship as it's, as it's rocking under his legs, and he detaches the carabiner, gives a thumbs up, Good luck, sir. All right. Uh, Romeo looks very, very out of out of his element here. If I have, if, like, if I didn't add anything to it, but it has a 30% next to it, like on the pre-made, that's what I roll with. You got to roll 30 or under. With okay. Two D10s. First timer. Can I uh, assist him no. with holding a rope or anything? Would that help? Or... What do you got? 52. 52. 52. Mm -hmm. Even if you were to help him, it wouldn't be enough. You see him start making his way down, but he just, he's gaining too much speed. And even though he's trying to break the rope, you know, put on the brake, it's out of his control. And by the time he finally hits the deck, he's out of control and he takes one point of damage. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot of damage, but when you really think about it, these are just people. They're just meat sacks filled with blood. They don't have 57 hit points or something like that, or armor class, you know, 21 or something. They're just people. So, I think the the one hit point, you like, as he hits, he rolls his ankle, and you just hear like a... So yeah. you hear that ankle snap, so he's like a little bit uh, hobbled now. It's <laughs> like, I saw that in a movie. It looked a lot easier. Look at you, though, huh? You look good, huh? And on your back, you notice that the chopper begins to peel away from the freighter and head back in the direction it came from. How long did our ride over the ocean feel? Like 30 minutes, 20 it minutes? It probably felt just under two hours. Two hours. So we're, yeah. we're pretty far away from You're the coastline You're pretty far out right there, now. yeah. It's going to take two hours to get back, too. But they gave you an eight-hour window from where you are right now to get what you need to get done. Okay. As well, you guys have both touched ground, you you see one of the doors that leads to one of the forward cabins open up. 
and you see four men make their way towards your direction. Most likely they came out of some kind of a mess cabin or, or the wheelhouse or wherever. And you could hear the lead man shouting something over the wind. Come this way. Come this way. Come on, it's breakfast. <laughs> start well, Romeo, <laughs> just proceed with caution. We got to make sure these crewmen are fully all right and haven't been contaminated with whatever we are looking for here. He's like, he puts one finger to his nose and he's like, good thing. So I think what, because he said that, we'll fall into step together instead of heading up. Yeah. And as you guys do start making your way towards the forward portion of the ship, you can't help but notice this large structure that's on the back of the ship that's been semi-covered with, uh, you'd almost think at first it was a singular tarp but it's really multiple tarps that have been tied together there that's been tried to, to keep this thing covered. But this thing is so big that the edges overshoot the sides of the freighter. Hmm. Junior's you got me thinking with what he said. Can we read these guys a little bit? Do they seem a little bit odd? Well, like, you're going to have their to body start. Languages? Yeah, tell me mm -hmm. what you want to do if, before you get there or as you get there. Or do you want to go towards these? Try to, what do so, you um, as we get close, if we can, over the uh, the din of the helicopter, um, just ask, like, how y'all doing today? Good morning. Good. Uh, why is your chopper leaving? How the hell are we supposed to get off this thing? Well, you guys are supposed to be here to get us out of here. Well, why, 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 is, why is our only ride leaving? Sir, sir, calm down. Uh, I understand we did receive your mayday. Uh, we do have Coast Guard coming through. We were the first on scene. They just wanted to drop us off and make sure radio back when we get a chance to, you know, notify them of the conditions of the ship. You see the lead man, he kind of runs his hand through his, his scruff. It's not a full beard, but it's it's getting close to it. And he looks back at the other three men. He's, he looks back to you two and he's like my name's joseph stevens i'm first mate of the aqua fortune might be better if we get inside um let's take you up to the wheelhouse where we could uh where we could talk a little bit better without everything else that's going on yes that would be appreciated what's uh the weather like i know it's like cold is it like it windy? is very cold. You, in you could tell that clouds are starting to move in at a very rapid pace and it is very cold and brisk and you do get that that sea wind that's coming it's it's different than an offshore breeze it's it's much more aggressive and because you really can't see trees moving or flags moving it's really difficult to tell just when you're going to get buffeted by a gale you know it's it's one of those things that you could be walking along the, the deck and then just get swept off your feet in the next moment. So everybody's kind of hunched down and trying to keep a lower profile as he leads you towards a set of stairs that lead up to the wheelhouse, which uh, I know the listeners can't see this, but I gave both of the guys a dossier packet. And in this packet is an outline of the Aqua Fortune. And you'll see that there's a gantry that's just past the midship. 
where you were let down in the chopper was just forward of that. This large brought up piece would be aft of that. And you see that this, this guy, Stevens, is leading you up the stairs that's in the middle and then towards the next set of stairs that's going to lead you to the wheelhouse, which is probably about maybe 40 feet away and up. As he leads you, the two of you, past the other three men, you see that one of them looks to be an older man, one of them looks to be a younger man, probably in his 20s, the older man probably in his late 30s, and then you see a, a Hispanic-looking man who is eyeballing both of you very intently. And as Stevens gets you inside, he turns around, he kind of wipes off his hand. He's like, I'm sorry, let me introduce myself formally. I'm the first mate, Joseph Stevens. Burke, can you close that door, please? And so you see the other three men come in and the older man actually grabs the door and closes it. And they, they kind of stand there and warm up their appendages and whatnot. And he says, uh, I apologize, but the captain can't make your acquaintance uh, because he's dead. As is our ship's engineer and our ship's physician suffered some kind of a catatonic episode and basically he's as good as dead as well. When did all this happen? Sometime this morning, probably about two o'clock in the morning or so, we were trolling the sea, shrimping, basically, and uh, haven't you guys been briefed on this? Don't don't you guys know why you're here? Uh, sorry, we just want to make sure our uh, stories line up. That's all. It's just protocol. He's kind of, you know, going from foot to foot. He's like, what have you been told? Well, we've been told that you guys sent out a mayday. Uh, the information wasn't quite clear other than crew members were injured. Uh, we weren't sure of the actual extent extent of their injuries or casualties and the condition of the ship. Well, the ship doesn't appear to be damaged in any way, uh, but the we've been ordered by the Coast Guard to hold our position to not bring it any closer to land. And I just don't understand why. Uh, well, I'll be frank with you. You know, this whole waters was huge in World War II. I think the boys at home are afraid you may have pulled up some sort of nuclear device. And I mean, you and I both know Uncle Sam doesn't want that stuff touching American soil. I hate to tell you. Look, uh, I'm not trying to That's rain on anybody's for. parade, but I don't think that what's back there is any type of nuclear device he looks at one of the uh one of the men that's behind you and he says hey tom can you go get us some coffee these guys got to be freezing and uh as he's talking to them i want for you guys to make a search check while you're standing on the wheelhouse At that, can I make like eyes towards the Coldwell? Like nuclear device, we got to go with some kind of story. Like, let's get on the same page here because we didn't really discuss this shit. Yeah, I got a. Ooh, 
sex size if you're at home. <laughs> oh my. Uh, 61 uh, over 50, so I failed. Yeah, you're more concerned about maybe getting some of that hot Java in you, definitely. Is that what they call it in Wyoming? <laughs> hot Java. That's right. This is some hot cocoa. Uh, I got 15. You. Yeah. You notice that probably in the haste of what's gone on, that there are all kinds, that this individual, Stevens, probably hasn't had a chance to really clean up the wheelhouse. And you see that uh, there are several papers all over the main con. You see nautical maps with circles drawn on them, basically directing the Aqua Fortune to the, to the place where whatever it was, they snagged this object. What um? What can we tell about these guys? So they're um, civilians, right? They're not like navy. Uh, they're, they're like fishermen. I got like I'm... fishermen out of them. Yeah. What, well, what, what's what? the vibe? Tell me how you want to uh, ascertain what they are. What um? I would look around the room, look for any military insignia on their clothing. Um, okay. What's their bearing? Do they look like they're shaved? Do they look like they're um, were they wearing any uniforms? Um, any tattoos? Why don't you make a human a int check, which is basically like checking for human intelligence to Ooh, see baby. what people are doing or whatnot. Seventeen under forty. Okay. That's eighty-two, and that's over 60 i got 60 on my thing i'm supposed to hit is it high or low you want to go below your number i want to go below then i failed okay you see uh tomlin come back in with the java and he hands you coldwell a cup of coffee and romeo as, as he hands you one you're looking at his hands and you notice that they look very smooth mm. and then that kind of gets you to look at one of the other guys, the, the individual they named Burke, and you can see that his hands are pretty smooth as well. And you kind of, as you're taking a drink, you look at Steven's hands and you notice they look smooth. And then as you look at the, the Hispanic individual, you notice his hands look very rough. Coldwell, start firing. In fact, he's got a, a bit of steel in his eyes. Like unnaturally smooth, or they just look like uh, upper class officer kind of thing. Like probably very don't upper do work. class. They don't. From what you would gather, they probably wouldn't have the hands of somebody who's a shrimper. So I don't know if you ever watched those the crabbing board. shows, but I mean they're like, you know, they're using when I th well when digger I think of crab lotion guys, and stuff like, and jergens mm -hmm. all the time. Street <laughs> yeah. jergens. Those guys make good money, though. The Jurgen people? <laughs> they had them, too. <laughs> Their stock went the, up a lot during the, COVID. <laughs> yeah, you ought to see the Kleenex stock. Through the roof. Um, so, tell me what you guys I'm not sure like what to do. to do with that. I'm not sure what to do with that information, honestly. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Joseph. Very smooth hands. Great. What have you been doing? Uh, what have you guys been catching this whole time out here? Well, we really haven't caught much. Uh, we were trying to hit a real good hot spot where we were told that the shrimp were just in abundance. We dropped our gear down, started trawl, started 
basically dragging dragging the floor <laughs> and uh that's when our, our gear got snagged on something so we thought well you know who knows what it is we, we got to bring it up anyways to to verify that uh we didn't damage our stuff and who knows maybe we got something valuable and uh you know like your buddy said this is a whole you know plethora of world war ii antiques on the bottom maybe we could sell something and imagine our surprise when we brought this large object up and uh we were barely able to winch this sucker onto the back of our ship how often do you all fish these waters uh every every couple of weeks you're pretty familiar with uh this area anything like this ever happened before obviously no, no, not to it, this extent it never has it never has you see the um hispanic man come up and says you know i think what the uh what the best mate's trying to tell you is that uh we, we don't really troll these depths that often uh we usually go more south off of uh hunter's point down that way hmm what gave you guys the thought to come out this way then? Well, the, the first mate just told you we we had a tip that said to uh, that there were a lot of good shrimp out this way and that uh, it'd be good for us to to bring in a good haul out here. You guys do just shrimp out here, or is this crab as well? We're just the shrimping freighter itself. That that's all we do. Nah, but don't lie to me. You know you'd be catching some good crab out here. We don't do the crab. The captain says we only get shrimp. We only get shrimp. If anything else gets into the traps at the time, we bring it on board, and that's that's that. Who else have seen what you guys pulled out of the boat, out of the waters? At that point, Stevens steps forward and says, uh, just our crew, nobody else. I'm sorry, you'll, you'll have to forgive Pedro here. He uh, He's a little at a loss for words. I mean, our, with the captain and our engineer being gone, as well as our physician, we're, we're kind of stuck out here. We're at the mercy of if something happens, there's nothing we can do. Uh, Did the, uh, what, can you tell us what happened to the captain? Exactly. Did they go overboard or... Did he get hit by something? Did it come down? What a... Uh, it's almost easier if I show you. But for that, we're going to have to go back outside. We're going to have to look at the object. Colwell. Like, good. Nod. Okay. Slams the coffee. <laughs> yeah. So he... Motions to Burke, and Burke opens the door, and, and he starts leading the procession with Burke following and Tomlin following him. And then Pedro's basically waiting to bring up the rear. Pedro the yours. All right. You notice these guys didn't ask what branch of the government we're with? They're obviously something wrong. I was waiting for him to ask for a badge or something. Yeah, it seems stri striking to me, too. But it's possible because they put in the Mayday to the Coast Guard, that it was the Coast Guard that brought you here, so maybe they think you're affiliated with the Coast Guard. 
Coast Guard with a cowboy hat. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Hawaiian, the Hawaiian shirt. Okay. Um, where are they leading? Are they are they going like deeper into the boat? Are we going? No, no, back they're going back outside, mm-hmm. and they're going down the steps that that to the area where you guys came down the rope, and he keeps leading you towards that large object that's strapped down to the back of the vessel. I think I'm going to try to like calm these guys because I know they're very worried. And I'm going to say, I know you all want to get out of here. Um, just please take me at my word. We just have to do these. Uh, you know, we have to uh, be, we have to be for certain that this isn't something bigger. And I know it's silly and I'm sorry about the captain, but you know, if you just let us see what we have to see, we're going to get you guys home. Um, hey, don't worry apologize. about that. Even the captain's not worried about the captain any longer. As you guys leave the wheelhouse, you notice the sun has gone down completely at this point. The clouds have moved in and now basically cover all the stars above you. And the only illumination is provided by evenly spaced lights along the side railings and along the overhead gantry. As Stevens leads you closer to this covered object you notice that the tarp like I, I mentioned before is actually more than one tarp that's been basically tied together but you could start making out writing on the corners of of each little piece of this tarp quilt and it reads Miskatonic University does that ring any bells for me you can make a history check on that if you'd like 33 under 40. 33 under 40. Very good. You know that Miskatonic is a university located in Arkham, a town in Essex County, Massachusetts, that's been named after the Miskatonic River. But the rumors about the university permeate your field in that it's home to many unsavory breakthroughs, such as pulling up life forms out of the core of the planets, dealing with the possibilities of time travel and trying to break through the veil of other dimensions, but none of which, to your knowledge, have ever been proven, or for that matter, have any truth behind them. And you said that's on the the tarp that's covering the, uh, the object? Yeah, you imagine they're probably, the tarps themselves are probably five by five, and there's a bunch of them that are kind of tied together with, with, uh, 550 cord, but each mm-hmm. tarp in the corner has property of Miskatonic University, property of Miskatonic University. And, but you know, mm-hmm. most likely from what your background is and delving into things, what, what it means when you see that name and how they've been basically talked about in back rooms about how they've done things. Supposedly they've they've tried to breach the veil of other dimensions or they've brought things in from other planets or you know pulled things off the depths of the ocean. How they deal with with the mind by dissecting human brains that were part of cults and stuff to see exactly how things work, you know, but all these dark rumors and innuendo, you've never been able to prove anything. So they're just rumors until you could find that grain of truth where you could say, aha, I fucking got you guys. Got you fuckers. Um, who's closest to me? Is it the first mate or the captain or? 
Well, let me ask you this. What is your marching order as you guys are walking? Who's in front of whom? I thought the first captain was in front of us, leading the way. The first mate went. First mate. And then did you guys want to follow him? Yes. Okay, Who? which one of you wants wants to lead the other? I'd oh. probably imagine that, that Romeo would be in front of you if he was able to make that connection. And then it would be you, Coldwell, and then and Tom Jose and Burke, yeah. and then Pedro's in the back. So okay. you see that the first mate is, is directly in front of you, Romeo. All right. So he's like, Steven, Steven, look at this rope. Is this supposed to be this way? And he just gets down right next to the miskatonic thing to one of the ropes. And he's like, is this is this tight enough? Is this okay? And I'm trying to judge the guy. Does he know what he's talking about? Does he know these ropes? Is he actually a sailor? He looks and he says, well, yeah, Pedro went ahead and tied those off for us to, to keep everything in place. Um, do you want to look at the ropes? Do you want to look at the at what we got under the tarp? I was actually trying to read him. So, like, what was his body language? Did he freak out when I got close to the uh, the sigil? Be more evasive, but go ahead and make a hum hum int on his disposition as well. That's good. I like that. Ooh, I got right on forty of forty. He looks like. He's very nervous uh, and scared. He's basically borderline hysterical at this point. He needs to take a um, a sanity point then. No. Um, okay. <laughs> well, here, let me give you the, uh, uh, the DM screen. <laughs> give me a perception. <laughs> I did that in one game when I was describing my character. I was like, if you can make a perception check, you'll be able to notice this. And the GM was like, what? <laughs> I'm like sorry anyways um okay that tells me something yeah um, it, you could tell that he's it's probably adrenaline adrenaline that's keeping him moving forward at this point and he's he starts to, to explain you know we uh we brought this thing to the surface it had barnacles all over its hull um which you could still see he's all and it was uh the 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 object was still sealed. That's anyone's guess how long it had been down there. Uh, Gru, our engineer, uh, worked a panel with a cutting torch for probably about 45 minutes or so in an effort to, to try to get inside it. But uh, it was all for naught. Ironically, it was a panel on the opposite side that opened. And, uh, that's when the captain and Gru went over there and they were joined by Doc Mack. They went inside a few minutes later. We heard a scream, some banging around, and then silence. When the rest of us went over to that side, we found Cap and Gru dead, blood coming out of their eyes and ears and mouth, and Mack was on his side, breathing shallow and basically just, just drooling. We ended up taking him to a sick bay, and he's basically just been laying on the gurney the whole time, just staring at the ceiling. He's not done anything. You may have to look at the captain and see the extent of his injuries, but they let a man put a butane torch on this thing? This could have been anything. Is this standard operating procedure for your crew? Look, we're just shrimpers. We don't know 
anything else. Uh, we were just curious. You know, maybe, I mean, there, maybe there been before no, somebody been... blows this thing up, you guys want to take a step back, please, and you let, if you could, please. Make a... Um, what's the what's the word? I'm you heard the man. Get on back. <laughs> no, I actually had something written down. Make it persuasion. Come on, baby. Oh, this is a good one for me. Ooh, fifty-seven under sixty. You see, the first mate, Tomlin and Burke, take a few steps back, but Pedro remains. Pedro is cool. We got the Spanish thing. It's cool. Yeah. You know, it might have something to do with the fact that he was already at the back of the stick to begin with. <laughs> um, but he didn't move. And uh, the first mate. So bad. I want to ask if he speaks English. Oh, sorry. No, he does. He's, he's already spoke to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, he had an accent too. <laughs> yes, he did. Kind of like uh, Cheech. Mexican. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No wonder he's not moving. He's Cheech. Um, but when you had asked the first mate about the captain, he, he basically says, you know, uh, we took the captain and, and grew to one of the freezers to, to keep him cool and, and keep him preserved. But uh, nobody's been back into the freezer since. What do you think, Agent Coldwell? Should we take a look at the device here? Or do you want to take a look at the bodies? How do you want to go? Now imagine this device, by the way. You you understand how I've described this thing, right? Is I'm, it like a school bus big? Like yeah, it's thirty like feet a... in diameter. It's a disc shaped object that's thirty feet in diameter. Okay. He, he he said they were able to get into it. He said that when he yeah. was trying to cut into the side to gain okay. access, a panel on the other side had opened up. Okay, they didn't actually like enter the object. They did. No, the, the did. Okay. three did that. They ended up passing away, or actually, two died, and then the other guys seems like he's in the uh, infirmary. Okay. What do you, What would you like to do, Agent Caldwell? Well, seems like you know more about this stuff than I do. I just say proceed oh, no. with caution and maybe not make the same mistake the captain made. All right, stay back. And um, I don't know. I'll take out my forensics kit and start dusting for prints. Like outside, huh. or what are, you, what are you talking about? Um, do I dust? feel that it would be a good idea to look where the people died? So obviously, the other people went to the other side and didn't kill them, right? They went and pulled those bodies out. So yeah, because they were probably right at the the entrance to this object. Which is where they died. I think he pulls out the, um, he's got like a digital recorder and he starts making notes. He's like, 8 a.m., uh, approaching the vessel, da da da, door south wind, blah, blah, blah. And he's just giving like little, you really can't understand what he's saying because he's just speaking directly into the mic. And as he's going, he's like, metallic surface, um, seems a sheen of just very descriptive stuff that, you know, he'll probably reference later if he's allowed to keep this um, and he'll just cautiously walk over and look at that side where everybody died. And as you look at that side, Caldwell, are you with him? Yeah. Coldwell is actually just like watching him from a distance going, of course they paired me with the fucking tech nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and you see like, as you start making your way around, 
to the other side of the this large disc, you see that there's probably a three foot wide panel that's not there. And it's probably maybe six feet high, four four to six feet high, you know. And it leads into the into the disc itself. Now where that where the panel gone it maybe it slid up, it slid to the side, who knows? But there's just an opening. There's an opening. You see that there's a lot of blood on the deck right next to the opening. Is there viscera? It's hard to tell. You'd have to make like, a uh, forensic check. I mean, are there like fingers and stuff? Um, like intestines? That, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, no, no. There's nothing like that. Okay. Well, I got a 99, so I don't think I saw yeah, it. Yeah, you definitely anyway. don't see anything other than a bunch of red he, paint. He does like the Goonies, don't slip, don't slip, and then he slips. <laughs> um, okay, if we're far away enough from the other guys to where we can have like a, a me and him conversation, I want to relay that like there's more to these people, uh, you know, like you were saying, there's more to them. And I'll kind of explain if he didn't catch the muscatonic stuff and um, – I think these guys are scientists or something. They were down here looking for this. Definitely don't look like sh like fishermen, but we're shrimpers. We're shrimpers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Pedro's what, you, the what kind of metal do you think this thing's made out of? And I kind of like gesture to you know the disc. Mm -hmm. Is there and other than barnacles? Is there anything like that we can see? Like uh, any geometry? Like carvings or anything like a like a okay. light inspect. sticker or something or anything made in would... made in USA <laughs> stickers and shit made in Miskatonic. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, there's than... there's nothing else on the surface of this at all. Just barnacles on the underside, on the top side, uh, and ironically, there doesn't appear to be even any scratches on it. And from what you could tell. When the when the engineer was trying to cut his way into it, there doesn't even appear to be scorch marks on the metal either. Hmm. I wish I had a magnet at this time. <laughs> like, what do See I if have? See, it's magnetic. I don't uh, know. I would definitely uh, light a cigarette. Um, is my press badge magnetic? By any chance, is there a, like a magnet part to it? I would think no. I would think it would be on a lanyard around your neck. Okay, gotta check. Um, what what do you want to do? Do you want to try to go in this thing, or do you want to go look at the bodies? Um, oh. Keep investigating. I would say keep investigating because I mean the three bodies that went in didn't seem to make it out in one piece. Yeah, good point. Um, do we see, I mean, I'll, I won't, without going into the actual, you know, I'm going to call it a spacecraft because that's what I think it is. Is Are there like blades or lasers or something that would have killed somebody? I see anything. It's pretty dark in there, especially because there's no illumination. You would have to use some kind of an illumination to let me know how you're going to make this kind of investigation. I do have a pocket flashlight. Oh, good job. Take some notes um, here, Coldwell. All you got is a gun. Yeah, <laughs> come on, man. What are you going to do? Shoot Pedro and steal the ship? Aim the gun over that way. Turn sour. 
Let's He's like, hold it. my cigarette for a second. No. Um, yeah, so he'll shine a light inside. Okay, you see that the interior uh, is very expansive. You see that there appears to be some kind of a central hub that's recessed in the floor of this disc. And ironically, as you're looking around inside, it's very disorienting because it almost seems like you're looking at the rest of the Aqua Fortune. Like as you as you glance around, you can see mm. like through the hull of this disc outside of the disc, if that makes Are, sense. Is your guy wearing um, by any chance like a, a wristwatch? Yeah. Can I see it? Yeah. No. Take it off. Can, and can I please? You. <laughs> so he takes the watch and he just like underhanded throws it through the door. You just hear it clank on the floor. All right, there goes that theory. Thanks. Uh, Your guys like what about my watch? <laughs> we'll get it. <laughs> Go get it, boy. <laughs> I was boy. gonna do it with your hat. But I was just gonna whoosh the hat. Um. Okay. Um, I think, is there anything else that we can look at outside? Is I mean, you said there's no marks, there's no symbolism. We look inside, there's a hub, you can see through. Um, is there anything ergonomic to the hub or is it too far? From its distance, you're, it's probably about maybe 15 feet in, it almost looks as though there's three contour units in the center. But of the two of two of the three look like there's something in them. Mm. Does the other one look broken? No, it just looks devoid of what the other two have. There's not like an open hatch or anything. No. This is creepy as hell. Yeah. What do you think, Agent Caldwell? Well, my fear to meet demise is the captain and all the other crew members that might have gone into this. I mean, this makes no sense to me. I'm going to kiss my ass goodbye and take a step inside. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> same thing got the the light still smoking a cigarette <laughs> as you step inside a few feet you notice that all around you at this point where you look you could see that the entire hall is transparent you could see towards the bow or, or towards the forward portion of the freighter you see the men that are part of the freighter still standing where you left them you look back you could see part of coldwell's lower body which is unobstructed by the transparent hull and then you see the rest of them above it all as well and you look around and as you look towards the center hub assembly you notice that what you were seeing were these three contours they're like little seats and two of them appear to be occupied with these eerie gray entities both of their heads are at an obtuse angle you see these flat, black, large, bulbous eyes. 
just staring blankly nowhere looking lifeless and I need for you to make a sanity check uh, while he's doing a sanity check Coldwood uh, wants to see what the rest of the crew outside are doing uh, did they see Romeo go in no they didn't see him go in because it's on the other side and for the most part um, they're they're just kind of talking amongst themselves and what you're by the way what you're seeing Romeo is is the portions that the that the tarp isn't restricting like I know there's a tarp on there but you mm -hmm. you can't see through the tarp you could see the portions that that the tarp doesn't cover which is a great deal because this thing is so big that they were unable to cover it completely how'd you do on that sanity check I got zero zero two is that a hundred and two no that's two that's so, two so under so 65 pass so you take one point um I'm gonna poke my head out and be like you gonna come in and get that watch son of a bitch I thought you grabbed it <laughs> also to, to let you guys know um every time you fail a roll put a check next to that uh that skill and after three skills it you could boost that percentage up by I think one d four. Oh, nice! So like if you're trying to get beat sixty seven and you roll like an eighty eight and you keep doing it three times, you could roll a d four and then you raise that sixty seven up by that much. If so, you're listening along, call in and tell me what skill I used and I failed because I forget. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go in and join your boy in there or what? I'll pop my head in, bitch. I mean, he looks all right. His brain didn't explode. I'll give him his watch back. It was a dick move, I know. Um, yeah, and he's like still with the thing. He's like two gray entities looking, suspended animation, um, third missing, uh, presumably some sort of, you know, the, 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 evidently the thing that killed the captain. In a, but he sounds a lot more intelligent than I do because he is smarter <laughs> than I am. Um, At the way those and, two intelligence scores against each other. Come on, Romeo. Don't spend too much time in there. Okay, so obviously there's something missing, and I'm assuming it's in the bodies. Body snatchers. Would I know anything about with a cult if it was like a body snatcher kind of thing? Or can I make any kind of... um? inference i guess that'd be an unnatural to a body snatcher type thing yeah uh like where would because they didn't say anything about a third gray thing that like escaped they're like oh everybody died and then a gray thing ran out they just said <laughs> everything everybody got killed and we moved the bodies so i'm thinking it might be inside that body or look around and see if it's hiding in the corner about to come out like predator style Fucking one okay, of those space so, huggers. So pick one of the ones that you want to do first. Oh, shit. I don't know. I mean, do you want to look to see if somebody's hiding around somewhere? Yes. For, for the most part, the interior of the disc looks pretty bland. So go ahead and make a search check with that. So there's not a big wall full of, like, skulls of various humans and different no, fucking animals. A, a predator, predator, dude. Predator, <laughs> predator, predator too. <laughs> All right. All right. Who's next? I got a 70 on my search, so that's a no good. No okay, you don't see anything hiding. Okay. Um, We're good. And you want to get an idea if it's hiding in one of the people outside? 
or if it's capable of going up through the anus what, what's going on with this <laughs> they take a host I, of the body i guess at this time at this point it's just a presumption because i have no evidence to show that that's just me and i think i would be relaying to this the coldwell like i feel like there might be a third thing here you know we've got one two three and there's third missing what do you think well, i think you're on to something but maybe we gotta we check out the guy that went nuts so down down in the hall are there and you haven't said it but obviously are there any like timers counting down to the time these things jump out and face fuck us Ooh. yeah again like at the end of predator you got the weird <laughs> alien numbers going down oh with the little explosive device yeah. looks like the police cd so from what you can tell there's doesn't appear to be anything hidden inside the disc Well, my, Romeo, my... do you want to go speak to the one that barely can speak or speak to the ones that are a lot easier to deal with? Maybe Meaning we can... the dead people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let's go investigate the dead people. All right. Okay, as you both disembark this disc, you notice two things. First, you can hear two of the men, Tomlin and Burke, are in a form of a heated argument, but in a whispered tone amongst themselves. And you could just make out the younger man saying, you're wrong and you know it. And then he walks back towards the passage that leads towards the freighter's interior. And Burke remains behind looking at the two of you. He looks and says, we should have dropped that fucking thing back down where we found it. It was down there for a reason. The second thing you notice is you don't see Pedro Gomez on deck anymore. And that is where we will end this. Okay. There's your green little, er, <laughs> your green little man. He's brown, damn it. <laughs> Stop being so racist. <laughs> Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible. And if you like what you're listening to, leave us that five-star rating and review. We've also got a YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20, so if you're into watching, head on over there and hit that like bell, and don't forget to subscribe. We can also be found in the wild on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so don't forget to check us out and look for us out there. You can also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com where you can also download the current show directly and view our archives and galleries. we got a lot of interesting stuff posted there, so head on over. And finally, join us on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash RollTheHard20Podcast where you can become a hard slinger and pick up swag. So until next session, keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.